Hello and welcome to the Horns Up Half Hour, Cedar Hill ISD's podcast about scholars, staff, and community. Our guests will be individuals from the district and the community. This podcast is for anyone interested in expanding their knowledge of all things CHISD. Hello, welcome back to the Horns Up Half Hour podcast. We have a very special guest this week. Um, we're talking about pre-K, the importance of pre-K, and we have a pre-K teacher from the district, uh, Lake Ridge Elementary pre-K teacher Jamie Crow here with us. Welcome to the to the show, Miss Crow. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we talked a few weeks ago for a story. We wrote a story on the Longhorn Newsroom that we interviewed you just before the uh, big pre-K showcase. Yes. And, um yeah, just talk, tell us about the pre-K experience and um, what it means for scholars. It's their first introduction to school. So, you know, for pre-K, that's four and five-year-olds. They come in and we, it's all hands-on. It's all play-based learning. So it's not sitting at your desk and writing. It, we make it fun and engaging. Um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. It's, you know, they're... I've had parents tell me, you know, their child falls asleep on the way home because they're so exhausted. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it's important for all scholars to attend pre-K. It gets them ready. It sets them up for success. Okay, so I know that uh, prior to teaching pre-K, you taught some other grades. What was the transition of teaching some of the older grades and going to pre-K? The biggest uh, transition was the independence. Uh, I previously taught first grade here at Lake Ridge Elementary, and they're a little more independent. They're able to button things, they're able to tie shoes for the most part. They're a little more familiar with the school layout and how a school day runs. And so those are the first things that we had to learn as a first pre-K teacher. Oh, okay, well, we got to get them adjusted to what this building is and how to function in it and building that independence. Um, one of the big things is opening up their own sports for breakfast and lunch or opening up their bag of chips. So those functional skills that they can translate everywhere in their life start here in pre-K. Okay, so what would you kind of recommend to parents um, who are thinking about getting their kids and they want to get their kids into pre-K but they want to know how can I have them ready for pre-K? Uh, the biggest thing is, I would say, being able to ask for help. Uh, there's a lot of times, uh, and it, it, school can be very scary. There's lots of people. There's lots of other kids. It's a big building. But I think the biggest thing is for a scholar to be able to come up to their teacher and say, I need help. And that could be something as simple as, I need help opening my backpack or my lunchbox. Uh, academics. We do the um, um, everything else. I, the biggest thing for me would be being for them to be able to say, hey, I need help. Because there's lots of times they've gone all day, even though we, you know, look at them and we're talking to them, we're teaching with them, we're having small group with them, they still get scared because they need, you know, they need help with their shoe or they need help uh, buttoning something. So I think that's the most important thing. Hey, you know, it's a trusted adult. She's, this is your teacher and I'm okay with this as your teacher. So you can ask for them. You can ask for help from that person. 
So as far as teaching the other grades and now teaching in pre-K, um, is, is pre-K more challenging or teaching the other grades more challenging? No, I think every grade has their own challenges. It's just depending on the age group. Like I said before, it's the independence here in pre-K. Learning to move from home and be able to do things on their own. That's probably the biggest one here in pre-K is being independent. Um, but yeah, other grade levels, I've never taught like higher grades, like fifth or sixth grade, but I hear other teachers when I converse or collaborate with them, they discuss the challenges that they have with those age groups. And I, I think it's all just age-appropriate age challenges, so. Do you uh, communicate with the kindergarten teachers and kind of um, find out what they're doing in order to you know, prepare your scholars? Oh yeah, we have something called vertical alignment. So you go and discuss Hey, you know what? You know what? And we also have access to the kindergarten teachers. And plus, and within our uh, pre-K curriculum, it there is, and on the pre-K guidelines, it tells you this is what they should be doing to be in order to be prepared for kindergarten. But yeah, going back to the vertical alignment with kindergarten, and sometimes we go to them with, "Hey, I have this student that's struggling. What can I do?" Um, in order to be prepared for your classroom. So it's definitely a uh, communication and collaboration here at Lake Ridge. I was at another pre-K um, class on another campus yesterday, and um, one of the administrators who happened to be there was showing me the um, journals that the scholars were writing and what they mm -hmm. looked like from the beginning to you know oh. present time. <laughs> Is that been the case in your classroom as well? Oh yeah, every year it's a. I mean, you want to talk about progress for a pre-K four and five year old? That is, it's amazing to see. So that a lot of them come in not knowing how to write their name, not knowing how to draw, or draw shapes. I mean, they do some uh, scribbling, but just to see that progression from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, where they're writing their name, they're writing letters, they're able to draw a person. We have something called uh, Mapman, which is from uh, Writing Without Tears. It teaches a scholar how to properly draw a per like it, it's still a basic figure of a person, but making sure you have all the right body parts, like eyes, ears, nose, mouth. And then there's a fun song that we have to it too. So just being able to see that fine motor skill I mean, it's really amazing to see. So. Okay. So, um, as far as how does that progress kind of happen, do you feel like it kind of, um, what would you say is kind of like the, the process for, you know, that um, large amount of um, scholar progress over that short period of time? Consistency, being consistent, come in every day, uh, the other big thing in pre-K is our schedule. We stick to a schedule, we check our schedule, so the scholars know what their day is gonna look like. And after breakfast, it's always some kind of fine motor, whether it's, once they've mastered writing their name, okay, now you can write your name, now let's move on to something else. And then of course that looks different for each scholar depending on where they're at in the writing process. So it, the biggest thing is consistency every day, doing the same thing. But then you also have to mix it up. You can't always do pencil and paper. So they can write in sand or they can build with Play-Doh or anything that they can uh, manipulate with their fingers in order to uh, build that fine motor. 
And then other pre-K teachers on the campus, how do you work with them? Do you guys collaborate on stuff? Well, I'm the only pre-K teacher here at Lake Ridge. Um, there is a pre-K special education teacher in the ECSE, which we're, we are co-teach, so we're together all day. Um, and it, I, I really love working with special education department. They have opened my eyes on how to do things differently, um, especially for this age group. So there's knowledge that they have training on, or knowledge that they've learned from different trainings for different differentiation skills. I, I think that's probably the best way to say it, is different differentiation. Yeah. <laughs> what about as far as like other pre-K uh, teachers in the district, do you get to communicate with them on a regular basis? So far, not this year because of COVID. Um, I have reached out to a couple of them uh, because we had, there was a transfer of a scholar from one campus to our campus. So we collaborated and I wanted to know um, how he was progressing. And that's kind of a uh, normal thing that teachers do. We'll talk about the scholar, you know, their academics and uh, what I could do to continue his education. Um, but yeah, no, unfortunately this year we haven't had trainings in person together. Um, though we've had trainings through Google or Zoom, it, it's not the same. <laughs> okay, yeah, and what's that been like, just the uh, teaching pre-K during the um, COVID pandemic? I won't, um, I won't forget it, I would say that. <laughs> it definitely has uh, been a challenge that we've had to step up to regardless of our will, but we're there for the scholars. And so whatever we can, we'll meet those needs for those scholars. Do you still feel like they were able to make a lot of progress even with the um, pandemic? I believe so because we meet with our scholars every day through a live Google meeting. And so we're able still to um, do those same things that we do here in the classroom, but just in a shorter amount of time. So you're really hitting those skills really hard every time you see them. So you know, and then you can take data on that. So I do believe that they have progressed, even and though they're online. How many of them are in the classroom versus online? As of right now, I have nine in person and I have three online. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Now then, it's, I've gotten, as the year has gone, more have transitioned to traditional learning. Okay. So. And then I know you have an interesting story about how you got into teaching. You were in the medical field for a long time. I was. I was an EMT. Well, I first started at, so all of my medical experience has been at John Peter Smith Hospital. Um, the first three years I did patient registration in the psychiatric emergency department. And then because I was in that setting, I decided I wanted to do, become an EMT. And so I went to EMT school and then I transferred from patient registration in the psych department to the emergency department. And then I spent the last, the other five and a half years there in the emergency department working all, all, <laughs> all of the areas, whether it was medicine, whether it was the front desk and, um, but mainly I worked the trauma hall where all of our so John Peter Smith Hospital is in Fort Worth, and it's a level one trauma facility, which means we get the highest level of trauma. So I have seen a lot. 
Well, what's what's that like? Because um, we all talk about like working under pressure and things, but I don't think uh, most of us can relate to you know the things that you've done that you had done in that job. Um, yeah. Well, what's it like working on, under that level of pressure? It's um, it is intense. There's a lot of pe- a lot of moving pieces that have to be done immediately. Um, but it teaches you to be organized. Okay, this is what I've got to do. This is what they're going to do. And it really, it's organization and teamwork. Knowing each player has their piece in order to do what you need to do. Do you feel like that that's translated into your teaching career? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The biggest thing is being flexible. So in the ER, at any given moment, anything can come through the the ambulance bay or the front door. So you've got to immediately switch gears and jump on to whatever comes through those doors. And it's not to the extreme it is in the emergency room, but things happen here at school that you just have to switch gears. Okay, we're going to do this, and let's roll with it. So I think that's the big piece I bring from the emergency room is being flexible and organization. And how did you decide to make that transition from the emergency room and the medical field into uh, education? Um, so one of my things that I always did want to do was be a teacher. Um, I did teach uh, dance lessons and cheer lessons, and then I also taught swimming lessons uh, in high school. And so that was always, you know, back there in my mind. But I wanted to do this fun <laughs> get out of the um, – adrenaline rush phase in my 20s and it I definitely I wouldn't change that for the world I learned so much um but it comes to a point you're like I'm done I'm good I'm ready to move on so I switched gears and got into teaching oh wow okay so um there may be other people out there who are thinking you know they may be in any number of careers whether it's the medical field or public safety or um, business and then they they want to go into uh, education what would you recommend for them i would recommend doing it if that's what you want to do i say do it and it's never too late there are scholars out there that are waiting for an amazing teacher and i would love more amazing teachers to help those scholars okay and i know when we talked before you told me you were from a small town in illinois and then coming down here to Cedar Hill, what was that uh, transition like to, um, you know, come to Texas? It was big. I, so I'm from Ducoin, Illinois. It's a small town. It's about population of 6,600. And then coming to the big city, I mean, everything's at your disposal, which was amazing. I wanted to go, and a lot of things back home shut down at night, and Nothing shuts down here unless you're in a pandemic, of course. But, I mean, there's a whole new world down here. There's everything at your disposal. There's museums. There's culture. There's, you know, different walks of life. And I love being around that. I love being around different people. So I, it was an eye-opening experience, and I'm not moving. <laughs> But to that point, though, Cedar Hill, although I think we're around 50,000, it still does kind of have like that small town feel. Does that kind of, are you able to kind of relate that to, you know, where you grew up a little bit? Yeah, but it's, I mean, yes, you do see uh, the small town qualities of in, or in Cedar Hill, which 
I still, it's kind of comforting, but then you're not far from anything. Right. So if you want to go to Dallas or Fort Worth or, you know, or even to Austin, it's not that far. So yeah. back home, back home, Chicago was, you know, six hours away. Wow. Or if we wanted to go to St. Louis, that was about two hours. So, I mean. But that's hard yeah. in like the wintertime with the, with the weather up there. Yeah. Yeah. So. But. I mean, they don't shut down like we do here. Right. Yeah. We. Yeah. That that is true. Yeah. So, if you, growing up in um, Illinois, when you graduated high school there, if someone would have told you you'd be teaching pre-K, at a school district outside of Dallas, in, here in Cedar Hill, Texas, what would you have said? I probably would have laughed, like, okay. <laughs> but no, I. I probably would have been like, okay, I can. I can see that because the age groups that I did teach, you know, dance or cheer and swim, because for swimming, I did public and private lessons. Okay. All of those kids, all of those different types of teaching were this age group or uh, first grade age group. So I, I can, I would probably would have been like, okay, I can see that. I would have laughed, but then I would have said, yeah, I can see that. So as far as, um, do you have any other thoughts on, Pre-K or teaching pre-K? I love it. It's a lot of fun. I think every scholar should enter a pre-K program, whether it's here or wherever they're, you know, whatever's closest to them. It's extremely beneficial. They, it sets them up for success. It sets them up for early reading. I have scholars that are reading right now, and not chapter books because that's not age appropriate for them, but picture books on their level. So, I mean, oh, wow. you're, you're starting them earlier, and they're just going to keep going. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Ms. Crow. We really appreciate um, your insight into pre-K and the development of scholars through pre-K. So, um, thank you, and we wish you the best of luck in the future. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks.